0: I like your pink balls.
1: Oh, you're talking about my little pigtail buns on, on the top of my head. Do I Do you that-
0: consider the green bandana with the pink balls as a fashion statement sometimes, or
1: some kind of... No, sometimes I do. And then sometimes it's like, I'm, a, I'm just a bunch of mixed colors. I do that because I try to keep this expensive hair protected from the wind this time of year.
0: When you go work in the garden up at the front of the property, mm-hmm. I can look out the kitchen window and locate you. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. Because you're on the ground and there is produce grown up. So sometimes you're kind of underneath it and I can't see you. Hiding in the
1: gardens. But
0: when you wear your big pink
1: balls on your hair, Mm -hmm.
0: it's an easier way to locate you.
1: That was one of the things I always did at the Learning Garden when I was the director. Mm -hmm. And I would like go to my garden, the garden that was my little designated space that I had kind of developed. And I would like hide find the like spot where the most stuff was grown and that's where I would work yeah. because then most likely if anybody came in they would talk to other people and I could just do my gardening stuff and I always talked about hiding in the garden at the learning garden Yeah I don't know how often
0: you hide around here but the way that your gardens are located and spaced around the property I'm
1: not hiding around here is
0: that I look out this window by the chicken coop for the garden that's in the backyard mm-hmm. She's not there. I look out the front window. She's not there. Maybe she's over at the other one, which you're getting back into production. Yeah, a little bit. And if I really need to talk to you, I got to go for a walk, which I don't mind.
1: (laughs) My mom always says we need a cowbell. My dad and I need a cowbell. That's funny. (laughs) A locator. Is it braggadocious to talk about all the new listeners that have come along recently? I want to welcome them. I do too. I want to say I'm so glad that you've begun joining us at the dinner table. We're glad to have you. We love new guests at the dinner table.
0: I think it was the AIP series that began back in Mm 4.21 that attracted a bunch of people because I think a lot of folks are going through that, hearing that phrase, and it may apply to them and enjoyed kind of the journey of it all.
1: You know, it's spring and it's that time of year too when people are just a little bit more interested in the topics I tend to be bringing up. You know, it's like we're growing and fresh vegetables. Mm -hmm. And I also think that after we finally come out of the like coma of the pandemic, people are just feeling good and better about things and the conversations that we're talking about. Are lending to that, and so I think that it's a draw. I think that people are interested in what we have to say at the dinner table, and I'm glad that they're here.
0: If you listen for weeks in a row, then you kind of pick up on everything. Mm -hmm. But just for those new listeners, my name is Joe. Your name is Aislinn. We live on ten acres in Taft, Texas. Mm -hmm. You regenerative farm out here. Yep, we've got chickens. We've recently got rabbits. We've recently got a couple of sheep. We live here with your folks who got their own stable of fun animals. A couple of longhorn steer, some ducks recently decided to live with us.
1: Yes, pot-bellied pigs. We've got a whole thing going on out here.
0: If you listen to any episode, you're likely to hear us talk about the food that comes out of our kitchen and onto our dinner table. Mm-hmm. Recently, it's been about your AIP diet and how we're adjusting things in the kitchen to accommodate that.
1: I think it's important. This is one of the things that I wanted to talk about more, a little bit more with letting people know that the podcast, we're reaching midlife. Parents passing... Kids in college. Kids in college, kids graduating college, making the next big step. Like, what are we going to do now? Where are we going now? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's an important part because this is our fourth season of the podcast. And over the four years that we've been doing the podcast, you've heard us going from four teenagers at the dinner table to three, two, one. Now it's mostly Let's just. Get rid of her and we're going to blast <laughs> off.
0: <laughs> Another little piece of the Dinner Table Talks puzzle is that the title of each episode is drawn from a sentence that one of us says that we don't even know
1: right now what it's going to be. That's correct. We're always going to say something interesting. We're going to go back and forth about that a little bit mm-hmm. and try to come up with the best. The vast unknown. Funny, whatever it is. That's where the name of the podcast comes from.
0: Taking care of
1: business. <laughs> You're trying to get something interesting in there. This I time. might do
0: that the whole episode.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: We got those sheep recently, and just like we did with the rabbits, and just I suppose like I did with the chick, I did, because you had had chickens prior to me, but mm-hmm. when we got chickens together, let's get these animals and then we'll figure it all out. It's a little bit of that. We I'm a
1: hands-in-the-dirt learning kind of girl, yeah, so.
0: and we didn't know, I did didn't—I hadn't given thought to how they were going to interact with the pigs and the steer and everyone else that already had their home here. Mm-hmm. Well, all of them have had to work out, and I guess are still continuing to work out their politics. Yeah. But those sheep want to get to the steer's food. Your dad feeds the steers. Yeah. Yeah. And the steers ain't going to have anything to do with that. No. And the steers are bigger and they're going to win the fight. They basically herd the sheep and chase them off. So... Try to hook them with their horns. Yeah. Your mom or your dad, I can't remember, said that they watched one of the steer pick up one of the sheep with their horn and scoot it like way, way far away. Oh, yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden, one of the sheep was limping. Uh-huh. I guess we're thinking, well, crap! They got into a fight with the steer. They got into it's a got fight with one in another. A jam they got somehow. into Somehow, yeah. What are we gonna do?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Then your mom noticed that it was particularly bad. Yeah, a couple mornings ago.
1: So, in our little coffee talk morning Mm -hmm. thing, we started just having a discussion about, like, what could it be besides just, like, a hurt leg? Mm -hmm. Like, what what could it be? An infected sore. Yeah. And I had kind of looked when we had noticed it before. I kind of just went over to him and just kind of looked at his leg. And I didn't notice, like, a cut. Because if I see an animal limping or something like that, I'll go out and just kind of check on them and like look at what's going on and make sure it's not like an open wound of some kind. We had an open wound on old man. He was walking around and he kind of let me pick him up, which was weird. His foot was actually bleeding. And so you grabbed him up and we put some hydrogen peroxide on it. So if we see an open wound, we want to like deal with that immediately. But
0: Tip for new listeners. Right. Old man is one of our three roosters. <laughs> yes, He is an old man. He's an old
1: man. <laughs> he's a very healthy, fluffy old man, though. I'm so happy that he's so much healthier than he was when we got him.
0: One of the benefits of the sheep is that we don't have to feed them or give them supplemental grains. But we keep a can yeah. of them around. Helps to, to warm them. Helps and, to warm yeah. them. Helps to tempt them over yeah. to one area. Yeah. And they saw me walking around that area and they come running. Yeah. Well, one of them came a limping.
1: And I have a lead and a halter that mm-hmm. I actually can lead and halter. I've done that with these sheep before. So I thought, well, we'll just pull him out to the front and we'll, you know, look around. And one of the conversations that we would had was that it could be a thorn because because we have mesquite trees in the back back yeah. there. They put their, their hooves up through the fence to get attention. You know, like a dog will kind of swat at you whenever it, it like your wants your attention. Yeah. My dog definitely does. Well, that's, I mean, the, the sheep do the same thing through the fence. They kind of swat at you. Yeah.
0: So I have them by the front hoof. And I'm digging around pulling dirt, mud out of there. Yeah. And you say, yep, there it is. And up into the hoof yeah. on one side.
1: Yeah. I kind of wiggled it around. I noticed there was a little bit of the clay gets all packed inside yeah. of there. And I just kind of dug it out and I could feel it. And it was huge. It was
0: a big old thorn. It was a
1: bi- like a tack almost. Yeah. And I just pulled it right out and immediately the sheep was like thanks man so could you give us some of that food while right. we are you and know now, like
0: one or two days later that sheep's not, no, limping, not even at all. limping at all
1: so things like that you just have to keep an eye on them every day like go out and look at them everybody's just kind of watching them the ducks have been hanging out in my in the backyard like every day yeah. they're in the backyard now it, and they
0: sneak up on me
1: <laughs> okay then we've got the rabbit situation going on so for those of you that are just now getting into the podcast, we've got four rabbits. We've got one buck, which is a male, and three does, which are females. And they should all be starting to come into their sexual maturity age. Yeah. We're not breeding them yet. And we've got them all separated out because we knew that they'd start to transition. Each into, rabbit has its
0: own right. separate hutch.
1: Exactly. But I've noticed lately that when I open it up, because I open it up several times a day usually and go in and throw in them, like when I'm harvesting cabbages, I take all the outside leaves off the cabbage or broccoli or cauliflower or whatever. They like those the best. Mm-hmm. And I give that stuff to the rabbits. Carrot I also, tops that I
0: cut in the kitchen. Exactly.
1: So we give them greens and stuff like that. I'd love to give them more than that. But right now this is what we're kind of working with. We're getting started with them. And when I have the thing lifted up, I noticed that the girl that's right next to the boy, they were sticking their heads over at each other, like reaching up to each other. And I was like, no, 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 thank you. None of that. None of that. And y'all keep to your separate pens. So clearly there's a little bit of like hormonal sniffing around happening down on that end.
0: When the heat goes above a certain temperature, they become infertile. So as we get into spring and into the summer, it was 90 degrees today in late March. Yeah, We've decided to just wait until it gets cooler again to begin breeding. And that literally means picking the female that we want to see if we can get pregnant, uh-huh. putting it into the male's hutch, yep. turning on a record, <laughs> turning our backs to them to give them a little privacy. And once they do their deal, we take the female, put her back in her own hutch.
1: I hope it's that easy, by the way. We'll see. <laughs> I hope it's literally hey, that easy. <laughs> all my life,
0: I've been doing it like rabbits.
1: <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Unanswered question. question. Okay, so clearly this episode, there's a little bit of making sure that we are letting all of our new listeners know a little bit of the little details that are happening in the podcast. The fun. So in episode two, literally, the second episode, I realized that I was going to be saying a lot of stuff. That Joe was going to be like, well, kind of which proof, you know, that kind of thing. Or, or I was going to be saying stuff and I'm not certain that I even know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. just that I was going to say a lot of things. And I was always going to be right. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I was going to need to do... Somebody was going to need to do some research. Right. So I came up with this idea of let's do unanswered questions. Yes. If
0: you go back to the first few episodes, you'll hear the evolution of the music that leads into unanswered questions. The evolution of the gong. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun.
1: So if you hear the gong in the podcast, then you'll know that what we've decided is there's an unanswered question there. That we'll Sometimes we'll week. say there's an unanswered question here. But if we don't, even still, if you hear a gong, know that next week we have something we want to add to that.
0: So why don't we give them an example? After we get done with the podcast, I'm going to go into the kitchen and make creamy one-pot Tuscan chicken pasta. I wonder if that turned out well.
1: Last week, Joe was talking about his rib.
0: Yeah, I injured it on the stupid rabbit cage.
1: (laughs) Trying to keep him from being Randy. (laughs) And I got all spiritual and metaphysical and started talking about how your body is a communication tool from the spirit. Your oneness, your light altar inside of you is embodied by the temple of your physical body. And that if your physical body is alerting you with some kind of pain or disease, that it is telling you that there's something else in your mind or in your karma or in your thought processes, there's some kind of error occurring in your spirit. So you guys heard Joe ask me, well, will diagnose me. What well, what is it? What's spiritually am I having a freak out with or whatever? I don't know what you said exactly, but that's, that's what I heard. That's where we put the gong. <laughs> so we put the gong in there. But that night I thought, you know, I should go and pick up a book. I've had a book and I've read, and this was probably 15 years ago that I was really starting to read and look into this. And the reason I first looked into it is because I actually was diagnosed with a terminal brain tumor on the brain stem, like basically where my spine and my brain meet, mm. that I had a terminal tumor there. And of course, that was a whole thing, right? That clearly it wasn't terminal. I'm fine. I did not have a brain tumor. I, uh, but-
0: In the words of Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's not the tumor.
1: So back then, I got into this mantra of like expecting miracles and honestly- I think I had a miracle occur. I don't have a brain tumor and I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. But I did literally start reading from Louise Hay, You Can Heal Your Life back then. Right. And started like saying things to myself and like paying attention to, well, what could it be if it's your brain? And there's a whole, the book, it actually tells you what what all this stuff means to her and how she came up with these ideas. And she actually died when she was like 90 something years old. And that's been a few years ago. So I look up brain, right? Brain says, represents the computer, the switchboard. And then it says, a new thought pattern that you can have. I am the loving operator of my mind. So it's like brain confusion or something to do with brain confusion and things like that. So that would have been something I would have focused on back then in that day. So I looked up rib. What does rib say?
0: What does a rib injury or rib pain mean?
1: Yes, Rib is not in here. Mm. But I did notice that there was something that said right side, left side. Okay. So I came out in and I asked you. abdomen
0: area right there at the bottom of my rib cage is where the issue is.
1: I came out, I asked you, was it on your left side or your right side? And you told me it was on your left side. Yes. And the reason I wanted to bring this to unanswered questions because to me, it makes perfect sense. Okay. If you're having an issue on your left side of your body, like any kind of issue, like maybe it's your, like maybe you would have an issue with your ankle, but it's always your left ankle. Okay. I have a lawnmower accident on my left side, on my left leg. So left is going to be, you know, a thing for me as well. There's things that have happened on the left side of my body, right? Left side of body represents receptivity, like receiving. Okay. Taking in, Mm -hmm. receiving feminine energy if you think about oh. receiving feminine energy feminine receive okay, okay? and mother oh, okay and then it says new thought pattern my feminine energy is beautifully balanced i can receive huh. i can i can work things out with my relationship with women and the feminine and my mother mm that's this is an interesting thing. It is interesting too. You made a quick little comment about another thing that you had had happen because you said you didn't. When things happen, you had didn't happen very often. But when they do, it's really hard. You know, right. it's this thing. And you talked about that you had a, le- a thing on your left side. You had this like yeah, I, tumor. I, I you about had a, a tumor. Thing that
0: I wasn't going to talk about, but yes, I <laughs> had, had a tumor, I had a tumor.
1: <laughs> on your left side. Yes. <laughs> so receptivity, feminine energy, mother. And that makes perfect sense to me. And so I thought that that would be a fun thing to bring back to the unanswered questions. You know, it's totally out there, but if you're trying to think about all the different things, mind, body, spirit, that you can do to face up to kind of things that you're having, challenges you're having in life. I did the same thing when I was dealing with all of the beginning stages of the leaky gut stuff. And it was like, okay, well, if I'm going to do body stuff by like taking care of my diet. And if I'm going to do mind stuff by like going to the therapist and taking care of all of these other things, well, maybe I need to look into this as well. And so I looked up stomach back when I was first trying to get into it to say, okay, well, what would stomach be? It says holds nourishment, digests ideas. That's interesting. I digest life with ease. And then it says stomach problems, dread, fear of the new, inability to assimilate the new. Life agrees with me. I assimilate the new energy moment of every day all is well.
0: So a pain in your stomach or an issue with your mm-hmm. digestive system mm-hmm. is indicating that you're having trouble digesting some new ideas?
1: Yes, exactly. Okay. Which does... That, con- does that ring true It, to you? it does, it does okay. feel true because when I go to the therapist and talk about like, I've got all these pieces of the puzzle and there's episodes back where I'm talking about going to the therapist and the pieces of the puzzle and, and I'm like, I'm ready for the new phase of life. I'm ready for the next chapter of life. There's a big transition from living in town to living on the farm with my parents, and these new all these new ideas of things that I'm trying to bring together on the farm. We've been talking about since September of 21 the things that I was most attracted to being yeah. my main. What are you going to do of,
0: with and on the space? Yes,
1: yeah, so on this space. How am I going to use the space? What am I going to do with the produce that I grow? You know, all these things that I have available to me, education, farm to table dinners, like what are you going to do? And there was, there's there was a lot of that going on in kind of the closing of 2022 for me. Like, what am I going to do with where I'm going now in this phase of my life? So I think that that's certainly a thing. I think that I am one of those people that is very quick to want to have new ideas but I also don't like transition that much. Oh, don't, don't, don't pop a new idea on me real quick. I got to think about it. Like Mm. I used to always tell my kids, the first answer is always no, but let me train you to like, let me say no, Yep. walk away. Let me have time to process what's happening. Yeah. Then I'll think about it and then I can work out a plan or whatever. I was
0: having a one-on-one talk with your parents. You weren't there this morning And they identified that exact trait about you. Mm -hmm. What I added to it was that if it's your idea, you're less nervous about it. It's other people's ideas that get you maybe into that. I need some process time. Yeah, yeah. Which I guess isn't abnormal.
1: So speak on yours a little bit. What do you think about that idea of like receptivity, mother, feminine Oh, I think I'm going to
0: fight with my mom. And I think that she's left us three months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So that does the idea that, does... that this
0: happened a week and a half ago. Yeah. Really makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh huh. For reasons I don't want to get into. Right.
1: Can you receive criticism? Can you receive a new phase of life? Can you receive?
0: I'm what? open to receive something different than continuing to argue with someone who is not here to argue with any longer. Yeah. That episode that came out right after my mom passed might be one people go look for. Yeah. If you're curious about what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah. The Joe and his mom story had a through line for many weeks. Yeah. Because her health was a big part of you learning the healthcare system and learning your parts and how you feel about the healthcare system. And also all of the other things that we talk about on
0: a regular basis. I don't feel like receiving this right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it's interesting that like ribs and around your ribs, the protective cage that you put around yourself to protect yourself from having to receive any criticisms or things that your mom might have like given to you, not knowing how to receive, not knowing how to receive love maybe even because you might not have been taught that necessarily. If we think about, like, okay, where does our inner child probably live? Well, it's often, like, very likely that it's in the central part of our, like, our altar is in the central part of our body and our gut. It's the dinner
0: table, so I'm just going to receive this.
1: (laughs) It's an interesting conversation. The months
0: leading up to her passing were particularly hard.
1: For anybody, by the way.
0: sure. All of this. But because when the end is imminent... And she does the thing she's done her whole life, which is to not think about the end. I'm having to talk about her end behind her back with her support team, good friends and family. With the question always on all of our minds, how do we, and particularly you, Joe, receive closure on things that it's nice to get closure on before a parent leaves us, if that's just not going to happen? And it did not happen. So the struggle since her passing has become about, and you can get trapped in this. And I believe that I did.
1: Trapped in a cage. There you go. Your rib cage.
0: Into those issues. When, as I said, it is time to let them go.
1: But it's a big deal to let things go. I mean, I'm literally every single day, let it go, letting go, let it go. Don't judge yourself about it. Just let it go, let it go. Am I safe to bring up another interesting topic that I think we could talk about and would be an interesting conversation, and that is adoption? Because you were also adopted. Yes. I've always thought that there's probably some mother stuff there with the mother that gave you up for adoption. I only bring this up because I think that we could, I think this might be a subject that would be interesting to discuss in further episodes. Are we
0: gonging this?
1: Sure, let's gong it. Let's talk more about Joe in the
0: future. One thing I'm not afraid to let go of is a recipe for one-pot turmeric chicken and cauliflower rice.
1: That's such a good stage voice you have there, sir. Thank you.
0: You had grown a beautiful, large head of cauliflower. How hard is it to get it to that size?
1: Cauliflower? I've had a challenge with cauliflower. I think it might be the varieties that I've grown,
0: because this one had purple tinges in yeah,
1: it. Yeah, that's overripe. That's when they start to get overripe. They start oh. to turn purple. When well, they start it didn't to get to the, the point, taste or no, flavor. no, no, it's a flower, mm-hmm. and you don't want it to bud open. Mm-hmm. So is broccoli. Yeah. You don't want it to bud open. You got to catch it before it like completely opens up. And so what you're trying to do is when you start to see that purple. It's starting to grow out. It's starting to get really big, you know, and cauliflower, you can let get that. It's just that it doesn't look as pretty as what people expect it to look like. Right. I think that... Snow particular, white
0: on the produce aisle.
1: Yeah. And I think the particular variety that I was growing is a short day because of where we grow... And it grows small heads, which I'm always like, no, I want a bigger head than that. So I've been letting it keep growing. And I should really... I'm assuming
0: it gets to some point where you just got to take it.
1: I got to take it. Yeah. Because it's... Especially when you have 90 degree days. When you have 90 degree days in March, you have cauliflower and broccoli that blooms.
0: So I was going to make some vegetable dish and include some of the cauliflower, cut some of it off. And you're like, no, I want a big dish with cauliflower rice. Now my mind immediately goes to, what do I know how to do with that? And that's something we talked about a week or two ago
1: cauliflower fried rice yeah i love fried rice by the way sure but i just get so excited about having cauliflower out of the garden so that what I'm can like, we do cauliflower rice cauliflower it, and do we it another do with way
0: cauliflower rice differently i think you found this one one pot turmeric chicken and cauliflower rice this is a chicken dish so i always do my chicken in the instant pot aside from the rest of it but in oil, in your one pan, you're adding your garlic, ginger, your green onions, your carrots, your cauliflower rice, cauliflower rice made from your cauliflower. And real quick, that's running it through a processor with a shredder blade. And it's just that simple. So that, which we had some in yeah, I our bought little some organic pantry area.
1: Because I was going to plant it at some point, but I, I don't, it hasn't happened yet.
0: And salt. Stir that for a few minutes and then add your chicken kind of diced or shredded back into that pan then you're adding aip secret ingredient gotta have it in your pantry at all times coconut milk stir that up and that's when i begin tasting it it's almost like i'm building a soup even though this is not a soup it's a curry yeah but untraditional and aip friendly cover and simmer that for about 15 minutes add a little cilantro and i thought it was fantastic
1: okay you told me when you first made it, you were like, you weren't certain about it. You weren't certain if there was enough flavor. And I ate it that night and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's fine, but maybe it needs more salt. Then I added more salt. No, it didn't need more salt. It didn't have enough of the flavors that make it really like
0: too... Not enough garlic, not enough onion, all those base things. The that,
1: turmeric, okay. the, you know, all of it. It just didn't have It was have there, enough. but not... Okay. Yeah, it didn't have enough. You know, sometimes when you wait a day or so, that right. stuff will start to absorb in. Right. So Melange. I ate it again. And <laughs> that's his favorite word, or at <laughs> least one of them. Kind of like herb. 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 So I, a couple of days will go by and I, I ate it. And, it. and it was the same. And I was like, okay, well, all it was, was it, you need to like up boost. the, yeah, exactly. But I did something interesting with it on one of my days. Because at lunch, everyone knows I like to have a soup. Got to have a soup around. Soup, soup. During the AIP diet, I haven't been as in love with just a basic cream soup because when I eat a cream soup or have always loved eating a cream soup, I also had some sort of a grilled cheese sandwich, okay, maybe a grilled cheese with chicken sandwich, you know, like something meaty and hearty to go with the soup. And so the cream soups have been kind of like, so like even the other day when you made a cream soup, but I told you to go ahead and I think it might've been a squash soup. I'm not sure. I can't remember, but I told you to go ahead and leave the chunks of chicken in it and go ahead and leave some of the chunks of the squash squash. soup. Yeah. Yeah. It was that, we
0: can't remember the name of it. It's a winter melon. I asked. Okay. Oh,
1: by the way, speaking of the people that gave us that, They invited us to a crawfish boil tomorrow. Oh. I'm excited. I don't know what I'm going to do about it, though. Am I going to break free of my... It'll be the first time. No, no, no. I mean, just for one day, like just for... That's starting over. LaDonna said... It's not starting over. LaDonna said... I mean, I have been like 50 days already. I
0: fully trust your opinion Thank on this. Thank you. I wonder if opinion. she ate crawfish.
1: I'll just eat like a couple and just kind of see how my stomach feels immediately and we'll see what see. happens. This will
0: be your reintroduction to you don't know what, though. Hold on. This is, but oh, I have this made, is an made an it aside. 50
1: days already. You're going to so. have to
0: ask to see or you're going to have to ask before we go. Is this a podcast listener? What is in the mix? I don't know if I can do it. Because it's MSG most likely. But either it's, way,
1: it's it sounds fun and okay. it's fun friends of ours yes. and their places up in Vegas. Victoria, and they are farmers. So we could take a couple of
0: oranges and lemons and...
1: No, we're not doing make that. Make our own. <laughs> we're, not, we're, <laughs> not doing, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. We're going to show up with a but big smile our you were talking about a face. soup I made
0: and you wanted it to remain chunky.
1: Yes. So, so I had suggested that you make celery soup yeah. because I've got the most delicious celery coming out of my gardens the this celery year. Celery
0: is pretty damn good. And
1: listen, you guys, I have been committed and devoted to growing celery from seed. I have worked at it and worked at it. And I have been harvesting... I probably have about seven or eight giant heads of beautiful celery this year and I've harvested the most delicious celery this year and I've been putting it in my smoothies and I've been giving it to my customers and we mom put it in her gumbo that mm-hmm. she made and the gumbo was like world famous gumbo I with this delicious bowls. celery flavor but I suggested okay why don't you make something with the celery like make some celery soup because the celery was left over from a farmer's market it didn't get bought mm-hmm. and it wasn't after you go to a farmer's market thing gets all soft and it's not crunchy anymore but still has the same flavor so i was like the perfect thing to do with this is make some kind of soup and you said celery soup and then i also said what about leeks let's add leeks into it because i've got these leeks that i want to go ahead and use you made the celery soup and it was good but it was really just this flat creamy it was beautiful flavor but just a flat creamy flavor
0: celery soup takes my worries away it does i'm just coming up with titles keep going (laughs) oh yeah that's right
1: (laughs) Well, I made a decision that I wanted to easily heat up. Do you want me to
0: tell you how I made the celery soup?
1: Well, yeah, make, yeah. tell us.
0: Your onion, your leeks, your celery, and I doubled almost the celery. I had plenty of celery. Yeah. I wanted it to be Pink extra celery. celery.
1: Pink, you guys. Pink celery.
0: You're going to saute that in your oil for about 10 minutes, and you're going to add your garlic and do you, what you do with garlic, which is constantly stir so it doesn't get burnt until that garlic flavor is just hitting you right in the face. Then you're going to add the chicken stock. We make our own from the bones of whole chickens that we when we make a chicken dish. And some salt. You're going to boil it, reduce it, simmer it, covered for another 20 minutes. After you remove it from the heat, you're going to use AIP secret ingredient. Coconut milk. And use your immersion blender to blend the soup. I was not happy with the blend. So then I transferred it over to the Vitamix to get mm-hmm. it super smooth. Yeah taste, 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 soup, soup. I love building a soup.
1: I think that if you're making that kind of cream pureed soup, you have to use the Vitamix for that. Mm-hmm. That's just really the only way to go about right. doing it.
0: And I was home alone when I made it. And I, was, I don't think she wants chunks in this one. No, 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 no. Right.
1: And especially because celery has strings in it, you know, stuff sure, like that. Sure. And Well, you've it, cooked
0: the hell out of it. But yes, you're right.
1: Yeah. So no, we definitely needed to be all the way zipped. So I got the idea to take the one pot turmeric chicken cauliflower rice curry, whatever, and put it in the soup in the pan and stir it in. and With make... the celery soup? Yes. I haven't heard this story. It was freaking great. Wow. I ate a whole big old bowl of it. You
0: made a whole new thing.
1: I did. And it was really, really good. So that was kind of a fun little adventure that I had on my own. I'm, I'm having lots of fun little adventures at mm-hmm. home during the lunch hour, especially when you make meat for me. You made pork medallions the other day. And I hadn't even eaten any of them yet. You right. just cooked them for me. You cooked several different things. So, I'd have a So, what I've been like, doing is just having stuff and sticking yeah. it in the
0: fridge. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Last night, when you came in to make burgers for us, you made tzatziki. I suggested, make tzatziki. So, I took the tzatziki and I put it on the pork medallion with some lettuce from my gardens, some spinach and kale, and then... Fermented radishes that I've been eating a lot of. My mom is making me fermented things. She'll use cabbage, beet, radish, turnips, you know, lots of different kinds of winter vegetables, Mm -hmm. carrots, you know, can all be used for fermenting. And so it's a really good way to do these wraps. I'm really enjoying making them. Now, last night we had to come up with an interesting idea of something to eat. And I suggested we do burgers, but I can't do buns. So I said, oh, I'll just make a burger wrap. That was my new idea. Right. And to have something a little bit interesting and different. And honestly, you know what gave me the idea of suggesting us do burgers? No. I'm harvesting the big onions, those big white onions right now. They're fantastic. Yeah, they were really good. What's the
0: best fun thing to do with a big white onion? And you said, I'm going to slice it up and put it on a burger.
1: That's how you eat your first onion out of the garden because you can can taste it, right? I suggested that we use that. You make some tzatziki. Mm -hmm. You make burgers, sweet potato fries, because I've got these amazing sweet potatoes that have been around and actually one of them was purple. So we had purple and orange sweet potato fries last night.
0: My daughter is in one act play rehearsals that's her big thing at school no she idea. is an actress at school in the theater program and they do one act play every year and since she's been there their school has gone way into the state tournament
1: they're going to area now
0: they're going to area mm-hmm. which is two steps away from state
1: this is where they got out last year right. they got out at area last year so, so on the way home, need to get past area this year
0: on the way home I get a phone call often what's for dinner uh-huh and if the answer is burgers and fries, she's <laughs> eager and excited to come home. That's what I did last night. I used uh, our p- ground pork from our freezer from the pig that we recently talked about slaughtering. Yeah, the sweet potato fries are so simple. I use the mandolin to cut them into a French fry shape. You put them in the bowl with some oil, garlic powder, onion powder, salt. Toss, 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 toss. Parchment paper on your baking sheet. Spread them out so that they got space between them and they're all in one layer. That means I needed two baking sheets. Stick them in a 400 oven, 25 or so minutes, but you're really at the end checking. And some of them are going to burn and some of them aren't going to be quite done. And that's just the way that it works. But you, after you do it a couple of times, you get to a point where there's a few that you have to throw away because they're overcooked, but the rest of them work just fine. Yeah. The tzatziki couldn't have been more easy. You peel your cucumbers and mince them up. Get them as small as you can. I just used a use knife, but as small as, as you can. Used, yeah. And you're adding that to a pre-mixture of olive oil, lemon juice, garlic, coconut yogurt, and AIP secret weapon. Coconut milk? dill i was i would use fresh dill but mm-hmm. that's not in season yet so i not used
1: quite it is but it, it's just barely not small enough plants. there to yeah. Yeah, and i didn't want to like it.
0: go all out sure so no worries I, so i just used some dried dill that you had yeah. already dried for us mm-hmm. and then fresh mint that you went out to the little kitchen garden and yep. cut right off of the plant yep mix it all up in a bowl it's so simple
1: yeah it was, was it better today than yesterday it was really good i i just remember it being really tasty he brought it out to me with some plantain chips for me to taste and he said what do you think and I I, I was really actually very impressed with it so when I made my burger wrap last night you mm-hmm. know coconut wrap on the bottom some nice beautiful iceberg lettuce because it's a hamburger right and then I put the burger pieces you know cut them in kind of like strips right burger pieces so then on top of that I put... The fermented radishes. Okay. Because, you know, you want that little pickly kind of flavor in there. We actually also had some hamburger dill pickles. I put a few of those that we had made here on the farm. I put Mm -hmm. a few of those on top of it. Then I put the tzatziki and a bunch of the white onions all nice and chopped up inside there. How was it? It was excellent. I was really happy to have that little tasty bite of something, and it doesn't make you feel like you're not having the hamburger experience that everyone else is having. Right. Um,
0: I'm not doing AIP as strictly as you, but because we are creating these AIP meals, I'm 95% there. But when I have a burger, I use mustard. So, in pulling that mustard out yesterday, do, do you... Get
1: ugly feelings about about me
0: using one of the ingredients that's off of the list for you?
1: No, because I've learned how to give myself the flavors with like the fermented radishes and the tzatziki. That's going to be your like creamy dressing for your wrap, your burger, whatever you're looking for, your mayonnaise, whatever. I don't use mayonnaise on a burger. I use mustard. But that kind of sour flavor that you like in a burger, that's what that was for, so... Burger wraps with tzatziki sauce. Burger wraps about. made
0: my night. They made
1: my night. This
0: title is going to be fantastic. <laughs> While we're addressing our new listeners, one thing I like about Dinner Table Talks is that I've always felt that the episodes are standalone. You could mm-hmm. kind of listen to any of them. Mm-hmm. We've done series and food journeys and the Blue Zone series that mm-hmm, we did. Mm-hmm. But you could start that and say, oh, they, they just said that they're three weeks into this. Let me go back a couple. Yes. But it feels like right now... From the AIP into the talk we had last week about regenerative agriculture, that we're on a bit of a journey right now.
1: Mm -hmm. I think we always are. I think it's a journey at the dinner table. And I think that you carry through conversations from week to week. Kind of like unanswered questions. You kind of pull things like, oh, uh, there's more to say about Mm -hmm. that particular subject.
0: So a couple weeks ago, you talked about an aha moment and then got even deeper into it last week, which is this bridge between the type of agriculture or farming that you do here at the farm, regenerative agriculture, as opposed to large scale corporate agriculture, And the link that it has between that type of agriculture and regenerating your body, which I know is on your mind because the AIP diet really is kind of regenerating your body from the inside out.
1: Yeah, it was definitely a revelation. It definitely gave me a sense of worth and value for how it's all coming together you sent me a podcast today, Dr. Hyman's podcast, and he and one of a leaders in regenerative agriculture, Alan Williams, Dr. Hyman actually used the words, well, I do regenerative medicine and you do regenerative farming mm-hmm. to the farmer. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was saying last week. So I think we'll post that
0: good. podcast on our, minimally our Facebook just because it is interesting how similar the end results of the conversations were, but how different the teaching and talking styles were.
1: Yeah, well, this guy has the Soil Health Academy, yeah. and he runs with Ray Archuleta and Gabe Brown, like I mentioned last week. So right. he runs in the like the crowd of the top educators of this particular transition from corporate agriculture to small-scale regenerative farming Mm -hmm. to kind of start to hear more people that are talking about this conversation. We said it last week,
0: it's a phrase going to begin emerging, I think, in a grander style of conversation.
1: I sure as hell help so. He said 10 years ago, I couldn't get 10 people in the room to listen to me. Now I'm in a standing room only with you know, 60 like eager, like, how do we do this? We hear right. that people are, are actually making, farmers are actually making money and being able to spend time at home and their health's getting better and the success stories. So I surely hope that it becomes uh, a better conversation. I, I hope that this plants some seeds in people and gets them talking and asking questions. But last week after we got done talking and we were trying to think of, you know, names of the podcast and ways that we're going to put up the intriguing photo words that are going to draw people into listening to the podcast on YouTube or whatever. And you mentioned that you really liked that I used the term climate confusion. Yeah. And what I was really meaning was climate change confusion. And then we ended up using that word. But after thinking about that a little bit, and then a listener sending me a podcast from Jordan Peterson Mm -hmm. about Dutch farmers protesting, it got me thinking, I think we should come back to the table with this particular subject, and I think it would be interesting to kind of dig into a little bit about our thoughts about climate change confusion. Well,
0: when you said that phrase last week, I just thought it perfectly encapsulated the idea that goes beyond a partisan politics conversation of this topic and into the idea that, in my opinion, an observant person can see that things are changing. Mm -hmm. If you talk to... Something's (laughs) happening. If you talk to farmers, they'll tell you things are changing. Now, the ability to have a conversation about it becomes a little difficult because climate change is one of those buzzwords, catchwords, trigger words that for many, many, not all people, gets automatically put into this or that Thought pattern based upon how it is talked about and how we do in America like, a partisan who situation. Who talks about
1: this? Who believes in this? Which yeah. is the reason why I said climate change confusion. Correct. So because I'm out there talking about things all the time, and I actually for a long time wouldn't talk about climate change or global warming, because I felt like it was being used as a fake idea of virtue to try to get people to get on board for certain types of environmentalist type things. So I had a hard time using the term climate change because the way that climate change is being sold in the media is that we're killing the planet. And I don't believe we're killing the planet. I believe we're killing. Diversity on the planet, and I believe we're killing humans that are included. Well, in the I think diversity you believe that the, the
0: planet. planet cannot be killed.
1: No, I don't. I don't believe that. I don't believe that, and I also don't believe that it's all about a specific industry or just one industry, or that the things that are being focused on are the things that are going to make it change. I also very much so disagree with the politics of. What climate change policies are brought into effect Mm -hmm. because we use climate change to get people caring about the earth, the environment, everyone cares about the earth, everyone cares about the environment. Then there's the side of, well, if you care about the environment, and this is where I always say, don't label me, it's just Aislinn if you care about the environment, you must be in this party. Mm -hmm. If you talk about the environment, you must be in this party. Mm -hmm. If you talk about agriculture being a problem for the environment, you must be in this category.
0: Right. Pigeonhole based upon someone's rules that someone wrote.
1: Yeah. And so I thought it would be interesting to bring back to the table. And especially with that podcast being sent to me for me to listen to Dutch farmers protesting in Holland after just saying climate change confusion, after just spending time talking about farmers, Mm -hmm. agriculture. I wanted to make sure that the seeds that I'm planting out into the world with the conversations at the dinner table are the idea of what is it that I'm actually suggesting about? Who am I talking about? What am I actually talking about? If I say the word glyphosate and I say the real solution to climate change confusion is regenerative agriculture and that the media is selling you fake virtue by convincing you of all of these things, I want to make sure that the seeds that I'm planting are not a partisan I'm trying to have a debate with somebody or I'm trying to have a fight with somebody. Mm -hmm. I'm actually planting seeds that there's got to be another way to do it. And I used the words when we pushed the YouTube video out. I said, if the proponents of environmental awareness were seriously concerned about the climate crisis, as they call it, then they would be focused on the things that actually have the ability to make the change. Right. But they're not. They're not focused on that. And I also want to make sure that people understand that what I'm talking about when I talk about agriculture is I'm talking about corporate agriculture. I'm not talking about farmers. Because even though I said we're not allowed to talk about farmers, and even though I use farmers, the industry we're talking about isn't farming anymore. In one of the podcasts we listened to, they said, they're truck drivers. They sit in a machine and look, listen to podcasts all day while the machine autopilots itself up and down the rows. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We're talking about 10,000 yeah. acres. We're talking about people that are buying into a system that sells them all the product they need, all the seeds they need, the schedule. and sends them a corporate consultant that tells them exactly when to plant, how to plant, what to do.
0: And if you follow these steps and if we can check a box as you go along, then we can promise you X dollars a bushel.
1: Yeah. There's only like a million acres of the 80 million acres in the United States that are in farm production land that are in anything other than corporate agriculture owned by five companies. Yeah. The thing that is happening in Holland that's giving a big scare to the world agriculture scene is they are protesting an insistence by the government of a 50% decrease in agricultural land based on nitrogen use, basically. Mm -hmm. and Nitrogen emissions. Yeah. And the farmers are coming out with their tractors. They're coming out in huge protests to say, we're not even going to talk to you about it anymore. We're not willing to even communicate with the holland's federal government about this anymore that's how done we are with this whole system
0: well we get to a spot and this is what creates a lot of the confusion there is no story that can unite everybody yeah And what we're being told is that human activity, especially at the industrial level, is intrinsically destructive, especially if your model is pristine nature. And we have to limit that by force if necessary. Right. Because there's an apocalyptic emergency at hand.
1: And we're telling the followers, the listeners. And it's cars go electric. Yes, Exactly. And it's you it's your fault because you're drinking you're drinking out of plastic bottles and you're it's, using it's, all it's, of the it's, gasoline. It's grocery bags. It's
0: yeah. It's and it, it may be all of those things. It is all of those things. But there's no single right.
1: apocalyptic right. cause. There's no single apocalyptic there's cause. There's a multitude That's of right. them. Right. And exactly. they come from
0: different directions. And nitrogen overproduction or carbon is a radical oversimplification. Of the issue, but the Holland government has taken that one and is doing bad things by making that the sole metric, yeah, and the farmers are like, "Nope
1: well, and the interesting thing about it is, and is it's that disrupting what they're their doing, food
0: chain and they're saying, "Where is the power here
1: and the interesting thing that is different about what's happening in the United States and what's happening in Holland is that Holland is doing things that wouldn't be able to fly in the United States they're doing like appropriating land kind of things like you don't have a choice you have to sell your land take your land
0: by force yeah because all of the radical nitrogen reducing policies that we have put into place you're still not compliant the only way to be compliant is to stop farming half of your land
1: exactly right and then there's certain companies that can buy that land mm-hmm. right and so it's a it's a control issue right there's a definitely a control issue going on there and in the united states the thing that we can draw it back to it's not they're not taking people's land away but with this corporate agricultural system mm-hmm. that was started geared and built by the federal government to control supply and demand of food
0: And pricing structure.
1: Right. Economies of scale. How can we control all of the food? How can we control the pricing of the food? We're going to create a system that requires this exact type of setup and we're going to move more people towards that. Like The only way to do it is to buy into this system Mm -hmm. to do it. Distribution is a part of that. When you're in a global distribution network, it's not like taking your cotton down to the cotton gin and just selling it directly to the gin that doesn't even exist anymore. You're no. playing the, you're basically playing the stock market. Yeah, It's all
0: futures commodities.
1: And so it's a game that's owned by the federal government mm-hmm. and the federal government gets to make the rules of how it works. How do they get everyone into it? Well, the big corporations can afford...
0: Salesmen and marketing and... Exactly.
1: All of the overhead. They Mm -hmm. can afford all of the overhead in order to do it. So here we can help you. We can guarantee that you're going to get this much. And even if you have a loss... We have insurance to cover that.
0: Well, sometimes you can't even buy the seeds unless you've purchased the insurance on it.
1: Exactly, right? Mm -hmm. So then you get into a situation where the federal government says, okay, well, we are going to help you get into this. And this is a part that I learned a lot of while I was working in a non-for-profit agriculture type organization. I learned a lot about how they bring farmers in and get them into a federal loan situation Mm -hmm. by offering them tractors and fencing and all of this stuff and so now they get locked in to loans they'll get locked into in order to make enough money to pay the loan back i've got to then go get more land and so they get deeper and deeper into debt they don't see a way out especially if they're already 70 years old they don't see a
0: girl down the street doing this regenerative agriculture thing but my god i'm three million dollars in to what i've already committed to
1: alan williams talks about that he has plenty of evidence now of people that have... He gives them the six principles of regenerative agriculture. He teaches them how to do it. And then after two years, they're surviving hurricanes when no one else's farms are surviving hurricanes. Mm-hmm. They're because actually they're building make, up
0: the water retention that we talked about.
1: Right. They're making money mm-hmm. very quickly. Yeah. And so he's actually proving that you can turn large scale around. Because that's the thing. I'm not proving that you can turn large scale around. I'm just simply planting seeds that this works and that you actually create an environment you actually would want to work in and you actually can make money doing it. And I want to encourage gardeners and farmers to participate on their own land. Because for me, the hope in all of this is, is that we plant seeds of ideas in people that they'll start reconsidering things like, food security and our general health of our biodiversity on our planet, our biodiversity in our bodies. The nutrient
0: density of your food, which all kinds of studies have been done. Google it, that it has decreased. The tomato that you're buying in the grocery store today is less nutrient dense than the tomato your mom or your grandmother bought in the grocery store or picked off of their plant 10, 30, 40, 50 years ago. There's a television show that I got into for a little while. I don't know. 17 18 years ago it's on discovery channel one of those kinds of things called how it's made mm-hmm. and they would take you over the course of a 30 minute episode how something that you have in your home maybe is made a guitar or a RV camper and it's just interesting to go into the factory and how they make the strings and how the wood is pressed and dyed and cut into the shapes and why is it in those shapes and why is there a hole in your guitar that kind of thing I would love it. How things are made, Mm -hmm. how the sausage is made. I think the marketing at the grocery store of a cow on a beautiful farm on your milk carton or the words, the trigger words that they use on the packaging of the bag of oranges and the idea that every time we go to the produce section, there's such a wide variety of every color from all over the world that we have gotten so far away from how our food is is made, Mm -hmm. then I think that's one of the seeds I really hope we're planting right now. Exactly. Is that when you go past a beautiful field of corn, what a beautiful field of corn. That's exactly what I believe that a beautiful field of corn should look like. It's what corn's looked like for my 20, 30 years that I've been alive, 40 years, however. But in reality, Mm -hmm. there is nothing natural about how that corn is made.
1: And... You care about the bees because that's one of those virtue things that the environmentalists are all talking about. You want to save the bees. You want to stop the neonicotinoids. All right. So look at that field of corn and know that every single single kernel of corn has enough neonicotinoids to kill thousands of bees. Yeah. The other things of seeds that can be planted is... Let's think about our small farmers that are actually here at the farmer's market. Yeah. Let's think about those that are trying to figure out how to do some of this stuff. I mentioned to you today that I had remembered when we were talking about the big five corporate agricultural businesses, Uh right, that a local grass-fed farm, grass-fed pasture-raised pork, whatever, called 1915. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, I don't know, six or eight months ago, I saw write a super long blog post about how they had actually applied for some federal funding because I was a part of a system where every time I put on a conference to invite farmers to come talk at a conference... One of the people that would be there would be the loan people. Why? Because the loan people pay us to put on the conference. Well, guess what? They get to come and talk at the conference because now they're a sponsor at the conference. Mm -hmm. And what are they trying to do? They're trying to get every one of my farmers in there to take a loan from them. And often they're federal loans. Well, these guys went after this federal loan. I think that it was for equipment for meat processing. Okay. And there was a big, huge statement by the federal government And the initial first year of the new president about giving a lot of money to smaller scale farms that were doing things like what we talk about a lot of times, supporting the smaller farmers, supporting the diversity farmers, supporting regenerative agriculture. That was what the concept was about. She said that the money ended up being given to five different people And four of the five that it was given to are big five corporate (laughs) agricultural companies. Wow. And that the reason that they got told that it wouldn't work for them, that they couldn't get the money, was because their concept wasn't sustainably feasible. Right. Which is very easy to say if the only thing to the federal government that is feasible... Is their corporate system that they've built and created yeah. that you can only be at this scale to gets, even be yeah, who
0: gets to define the rules.
1: Right. But that money was intended when it was sold to the people, for small farms, for small farms, yeah. for diversity, for new ideas of how to do things differently. Yeah. Right. And you guys can look into that. You could ask the gal at 1915 to give the proof on that. If you want some actually some background, you can do some research on this and you can completely disagree with me on all sides of this thing. Right. I would love to hear that, by the way, because all I'm trying to do and all we're trying to do is get us to start thinking about the fact that each individual person is a part of the collective community. And in the collective community, when we make a decision to change something, we change it. You gave the example of legalizing marijuana.
0: Well, yeah. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about how easy it is to create a system that you then are beholden to for decades. What's happened since then is that people have decided that that was bad information. Mm-hmm. The facts have been borne out over time. And I, I trust that that will happen here. It's just a question of are we... 50 years away from that or are we 10 or 5 years from that and the seeds that you know we're planting here at the dinner table today are about getting more people to understand how it's made why it's done the way that it is and what the benefits would be of doing it a different way but that system is so large
1: well yeah it's a big ship to turn around but it's a simple thing is like all of a sudden people don't like every good law abiding citizen in the united states 70% 70% of us have smoked marijuana and don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Okay. That changes things. When you walk through Home Depot checkout and the candy aisle in the gardening section isn't S&S weed and feed on one side and Roundup on the other side, mm-hmm. because you would have an outrage of customers if you did that to them. That's the kind of stuff that changes on a large scale. That's the only way we're going to ever make any real changes on a large scale. Because if you leave it up to them, they own a crumbling building. Yeah. These are all of their systems. Yeah. They own a crumbling building.
0: Every time we talk about a system that, yes. that is School dying. system, yeah. healthcare
1: system, a, all of them. Yeah. They own a crumbling building. And But,
0: but it's a building, and it has been built, and the infrastructure's there. We put money into it once upon a time. Yeah.
1: And it's an apartment building. Mm-hmm. And everybody that lives in the apartment... Is like, well, why don't we just all get together and we'll do this thing and we'll fix it. But the people that own the building go, no, no, you have to have permits and you don't know how to do this safely. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to sell you the permits and we're going to, but no, nope, you you can't, no, nope, you, you're going to have to get an engineer to approve that. And it's going to cost your project for... $5,000 when you only had $10,000 to spend on the project to begin with. And now you've only got like $2,000. You don't have enough money to even do the project because their permits and their safety methods are keeping you from fixing the building that's crumbling around you. When the building continues to just keep crumbling and eventually you get to a point where it's like the only way you can deal with what's going on. Now you're all homeless. Who's who are you going to go to? Oh, guess what? We can save you. From the fact that you're living in a crumbling building that we let crumble around you, while we just pretended like all of our safety mechanisms were going to save you from yourself. This is what we're talking about with every system that that exists. When the not walls just come the crumbling down,
0: coming up with a title.
1: When the walls come crumbling down. Well, hey, while we're in this intellectual vibe, why don't you kick over a question that we can deep dive into?
0: Well, that music means that it's time for what we do at the end of every episode, random question of the week. We've got a big box of random questions. We draw one randomly. We haven't seen it.
1: So the way this one started was Joe and I brought our two kids, he had two, I had two, to the dinner table. And that's where the concept of the whole dinner table podcast started. Here we are, a family of six, sitting at the dinner table, talking. And one of the things Joe always did was he would pull a card out, especially Mm -hmm. when the kids were little. We'd play games at the table. We did all that. But it was the place that we could all come together and talk. And so he had this box of cards and he would pull a card out and he would say, okay. And he would ask this question. We're at the dinner table. So- Join us as we ask a random question.
0: What's the story behind your name?
1: Oh, (laughs) the thing I like to always tell people is that my brother's name is John. Like a family name, boy, John. Common name, sure. His name's John. My name's Aislinn, A-I-S-L-Y-N-N. I was destined to be this quirky little, crazy little outsider from the moment that I existed on the planet. And my parents named me Aislin. Right. When I was a child, I was in the fifth grade and we moved to a new school. And when I, we went to the new school, you know, they asked your name and, and I said, my middle name is Elizabeth. My name is Aislinn Elizabeth. And I told the teacher, oh, I go by Beth. So then of course, when I like got my first, I got a little bit in trouble because I was a kid that talked all the time and I always got a little bit in trouble. The teacher called to talk to my mom about whatever my grades or my talking in class or whatever it was. Well, Beth this and Beth that. My mom was like, who's Beth? (laughs) (laughs) So there was definitely a time in my life where I didn't like my name. I got called Aslan. You still get that. I well, laugh and laugh. Well, and in elementary school, when the oh, kids are finding yeah, a name please. to pick on, of course. And it was Aslan. Right. And I didn't want to be different. I was different and my name was Aslan, mm-hmm. you know. But now I'm very, very, very pleased to have my name. My mom got my name out of a book called The Wolf and the Dove, mm-hmm. which you can call it like a Harlequin romance novel, like kind of a trashy romance novel, basically. It's a, a story about a Dutch princess, I believe. And it was... A-I-S-L-I-N-N. Okay. I believe the pronunciation, the original pronunciation was either Ashlyn or Island. Both of those would have been like a Gaelic pronunciation. Sure. But my mom changed it to L-Y-N-N. So A-I-S-L-Y-N-N and pronounced it Aislinn. And that's where my name came from. As I understand it, I was always going to be
0: Joe. My dad's name was Joe. But he didn't want to share middle names because he did not want me to be junior. So, first name comes from my dad's name. Very common thing that guys do, I guess. Mm -hmm. And my middle name came from a a baby book. Mm
1: -hmm. Just
0: that simple. My middle name being Keane. K-E-A-N-E. And it was validated by two things because no one had ever heard that name before. Mm -hmm. Keanu Reeves. Mm Close. Close. But then the band Keen, mm. famously
1: known for singing, somewhere only we go, like that. Something like that, mm-hmm. yeah. When you first told me your name, I thought your name was Joe King. Uh,
0: many people, K-I-N-G, yes.
1: I was like, you've got to be kidding me. The The literal Joker guy's name is Joe King. His it's name right. is
0: Joking. Joking.
1: And you're like, no, it's Joe Keen. Mm-hmm. And then everyone got to know you as Jokeen because because your mom was Joe Mack and Jokeen and everybody knew Joe Mack and Jokeen. When I'm around
0: my family, my middle name is used, but when I'm in public and meet someone new, I don't use my middle name. Yeah. It's all in a name. You're
1: such a dork. (laughs) Climate change, confusion.
0: The planet cannot be killed.
1: Well, thank you so much for
0: listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the
1: meantime... Hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you.
0: And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you.